championship teams are built in the trenches and Florida State's offensive line is going to lead the way to our playoff run in 2023, right, Drake? Yes, sir, David. As always, let's ride. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome back to another edition of Locked on Seminoles. What's up, everybody? It's your boy Drake here, and today in the stream yard, I'm joined by Dave. As always, this episode is, episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, of the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment matter more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, today to get started. Now, Dave, trash talk. But not both sides of the trenches. We're starting off with the offensive line. Expectations in the last year were that this offensive line is continuously improving each and every single season. It's come a long way since the first season under Mike Norvell. And quite honestly, it's also because of Alex Atkins, what he's been able to do overall. What did you see from his offensive line from this past season? How did you feel that they actually performed overall? Well, the offensive line going into last year, we I think we all thought, would continue to improve like it's been on a gradual improvement since the bottom it reached a few years ago uh Alex Atkins took over an absolute mess along the offensive line an offensive line that frankly should not have been a power five offensive line it wasn't it wasn't playing like one it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't a group of five one either to be honest with you right like it was a borderline not FBS offensive line that's exactly right and there was not a ton for Alex Atkins to work with, frankly, uh, not not to not to be mean here, but that's the reality. There was a lot for him to work with in that cupboard. And so he made the best of what he could do when he first came in. Um, he obviously we've recruited since then. We're you know, we were going into year three last year. And so I think the expectations were that the offensive line would be good, maybe or, or, or above average to good. and. I think that's exactly what you got out of this line last year. So you were you had five guys take 450 or more snaps along the offensive line. Um, you didn't have anybody grade over 67 in run blocking. Uh, you did have Dylan Gibbons with his pass blocking 71, Bo Smith pass blocking 72. So the run blocking was eh, and the pass blocking was eh, eh. Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah, that's good. This is pretty decent. It's exactly right. And you know the run blocking thing. It's it's funny because do we need good run blocking? I don't know. We keep having these running backs doing all this crazy stuff. It could be more so Trey Benson breaking off yards after contact and Jay Sean Corbin doing the same thing. So because what we well, not Jay Sean Corbin. That was uh, Jay Sean Corbin from two years ago. My guy. Yeah. Right. Right. But like, in, in oh, he went, oh, bad run blocking. And yet still performed in spite of that. Yards after contact has been big. It seems like we've required a running back that's capable of doing that to make up for bad run blocking. And so I don't know what this this running game is going to look like under Mike Corbell with good run blocking. But even with just average, that's what you got last year. So a little you know above average pass blocking. Um, I think you noticed that. 
with Jordan Travis able to stand in the pocket a little more, but he was very good about moving around any anyways and using his legs to create space, create time in the pocket more so than just running the ball. So he did his offensive line some favors. I think that helped them as well. Um, mm-hmm. So I think overall you would have to say offensive line play probably met expectations last year. No, I mean, I think that's the correct answer. I think you you don't look any further than Dylan Gibbons himself, the Cartier wearing a lot, the people's lineman, I think, at this point, because he was someone that you saw that. Devontae loved Taylor, like, set the tone for basically, you know, a transfer coming in here, kind of being someone of the leaders of the room. Unfortunately, he did have that injury, was limited in 2021, but then you saw Dylan Gibbons was able to stay fully healthy for the most part, even though I, I do think it's very well known that he played through numerous, numerous injuries each and every single game. And that there were some games that you even asked yourself that he was asked, like, hey, we don't know if he's going to be playing this week because of his injury. And he still found a way to be out there. And then you have Robert Scott, who did miss some time. You saw his importance to as well, actually, at one of the tackle spots because that Wake Forest game, I think, would be completely different if he actually was fully healthy because that offense could not go on without him. And then Mo Smith, a player that kind of emerged actually as someone that was very reliable because we lost Caden Lyles. And Caden Lyles lost someone that a lot of people picked including myself, to start over most Smith while most of was able to probably get uh, get away, uh, not get away, but stay fully healthy for an entire offseason because he hasn't been able to do that since he got here because he had to start actually as a freshman. And also, this is the first time in a long time that we've seen an offensive line that we didn't have to start of like a true freshman or even like a true sophomore, which is actually super nice. And you saw Jasmine Turrentine, who I think probably was one of the, the biggest unsung hero for the entire offensive line, actually come in there and be not only the, the sixth lineman that we needed, but play the tackle spot after we lost um, Bless Harris for the season. Yeah, that's 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 right. There, there were injury issues along an offensive line that, to begin with, had you know development to do, and you know so mixing and matching young guys with with newcomers through the transfer portal that's always going to be tough, and that's going to hamper growth. But it really didn't. So the fact that this offensive line didn't get worse. Or and and I don't think stayed the same either from the year prior. Um, is is a great sign for the continued trajectory of the offensive line play. No, I completely agree with that. And also, Dave, you know it's also a great, great sign for the times heading into Sunday. What would that be, Drake? There's our friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook, folks. We've been talking about it all week. We love our new sponsor over here at FanDuel. We're really excited about it because well, because, uh, because basically they're the number one sportsbook in America. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can get the Super Bowl 57 with no sweat first bet. You get up to $3,000, uno, dos, tres, $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win, folks. Super Bowl Sunday, you got first TD props, you got MVP props. Patrick Mahomes did win the MVP last night for the entire league. Or if you're Dave, just fade the Eagles because it's Philly and it's fun to make fun of Philly. But join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on L O C K E D O N to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on L O C K E D O N. Make every moment matter more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, folks, we are back. We are rocking and rolling here. I lock on Samuels and want to thank each and every single one of you for making us your first listen each and every single day. Now, David, the offseason was upon us. This the offensive line might look extremely different heading into next season. Keandre Jones transferred from Auburn. Jeremiah Byers, the one of the top offensive linemen transferred from UTEP. 
Bless Harris actually probably come back being fully healthy too as well. What do you or and also Dimitri Emmanuel, another one that starts a lot a lot kind of the untalked about player of the offensive line, maybe coming back if he gets his full waiver. What do you think actually gonna be heading into the next season? How do you feel about this offensive line? Well, I think I mean, generally speaking, with it's going to be hard to say I'm mean, going to expect bad things when Alec Atkins is the coach because I think he's shown that this seems to be a consistency among most of Mike Norvell's staff that they're able to squeeze the most out of what's in front of them, kind of regardless of whether there's personnel limitations or, you know, whatever it may be. And so, you know, yes, I think it's going to there's going to be a risk of this offensive line throughout parts of this next year looking unrecognizable from last year in terms of the personnel you see out there. Um, and, you know, you would expect, look, it's gotten a little better every year. It, we're, we're not a great offensive line yet. And we're still not a very good offensive line yet. So if, if you stay, you know, between the above average to good range, then, you know, I think that's good. That's probably good enough for Florida state to, not be limited by the offensive line, but I think there is a chance of it being better than good. Realistically, like it's funny to me because every time we have the, every time we talk about the incoming offensive line transfers, you never say Jeremiah Byers first, but Jeremiah Byers is, was the best offensive lineman arguably in the transfer portal class. And I will be stunned if he doesn't come in and start day one, but it's important that a guy like him is coming in for this offensive line because you're talking about having two guys who in pass protection graded at 72, 71 and 72. Everyone else on the team in pass pro was 66 or below. That's, that's not very good. And in a year where Jordan Travis came back to make himself some money in the NFL draft and possibly win Florida State, you know, a conference championship and go to the playoffs, um, you're going to need to keep Jordan Travis upright. So... You need kids like Jeremiah Byers who are be already better than good offensive linemen that Alex Atkins can, you know, hopefully mold into great ones because, you know, even our best offensive lineman, Dylan Gibbons, he was, I think you could say good, but that's it. That, that's been our best offensive lineman for the last several years. Good. Nothing better. So I think we can do better. No, I completely agree. And it's not taking a shot, Dylan, either. But like overall, no, if, you, if you want to take a next step, you kind of want that one. You want you need that one offensive lineman, kind of like that's the elite. Like, oh, he's the number one probably option around the country. And, and Jeremiah Byers has showcased that at the group of five level actually over at UTEP. I mean, the thing is also with with offensive lines too. It's like you just you need that kind of like a stalwart right there. And at six foot six, six foot six two ninety, that's Jeremiah Byers. And then also we also forget that Casey Rod at the Colorado transfer six foot four. 340 that's someone that you know we talk about like i know you know the sexiest name on there but we taught we saw last year how important actually having serviceable depth is when you lost a lot of people players along the offensive line and to me it's why case rock is so important and you have keandre jones who is only a few years removed from being a, a, an all sec freshman selection actually over at auburn and that's someone that actually i'm very intrigued to see how actually how alex atkins is able to develop and work with them because the talent is obviously there and folks if you have seen Auburn the past two seasons that team was a train wreck under Brian Harson, and that team did not want to play or even the players didn't develop under Brian Harson. so with Keandre Jones I'm actually very sure to see how he actually turns up and overall with the offensive line 
it's going to be interesting to see actually who, who starts for 2023. And that's, I think, going to be the fun part about spring practices. Yeah, we're going to, we, we don't know what those five offensive linemen are going to look like right now. Like putting together a depth chart is just speculation at this point because it's going to shake itself out and it's going to have to because there's multiple guys competing at spots, which means Drake quality depth, which again is something that we've had to build from absolutely nothing from having no functional depth to now we're actually going to have quality depth. That is a heck of a turnaround. And just to, to the point of these, you know, newcomers, I just wanted to read these grades for you. Jeremiah Byers last year at UTEP graded 80 in run blocking and 82.6 in pass blocking. That both 80? of those grades. Wait, did, did, did that, does this number start with an eight? Yeah. Both well, of those how, grades, how, how green is that? How green is that green? It's the greenest. We don't see green like that on our team for offensive line play. And like that would have been the best at both of those on our team by like, I don't know, pick a long, pick a big number. And, and that's how much better he would have been than any of our offensive linemen. Um, Colorado, same kind of the same story for Casey Roddick. Not great run blocking, fifty nine point eight, but pass blocking eighty two point nine. So you're bringing in two guys that are eighty two point nine and eighty two point six in pass blocking. Yeah, that's a concerted effort to keep Jordan Travis upright, and that's exactly the right move for a money year. No, I mean I completely agree with that, folks. We'll talk about basically who we think is going to be the starting, I guess, combination along the offensive line and also how important it is for this quality this quality depth will be for the freshman for the freshman for the underclassmen like a quant like a Quayshon Sapp, like a Julian Armel, like a Kenara Charlton in the next segment after a word from our sponsors. Okay, Dave. It's the end of the road. You know what to do. I'm gonna hand the ball off to you. How do you want to land this thing? Okay. Here's what I want to do. I want to pick I want to pick somebody that you would Tell me who you think is going to start the year as a backup and by the end of the year will be a solidified offensive lineman that is somebody who will have going past 2023. In other words, like which one of the underclassmen do you think is going to make a big step forward onto the scene at offensive line for FSU? Because, and I, I'll tell you why I say that. Because it feels like we keep relying on all these transfers to come in plug and play along the offensive line. And, and that can work. Uh, sometimes it does. You get a Dylan Gibbons. Sometimes it doesn't. And, you know, it's too bad that Caden Lyles got injured, but sometimes that happens. So this is why you grow in your farm system, because, you know, you get these kids that learn for a year or two, get in the weight training program, and then they're good. And then not only are they good, but you have them past that year and you don't have to replace them immediately and hope you hit again in the transfer portal. Hit rate is hard to sustain at the rate we're doing it. Drake, which underclassman is going to surprise? Uh, I think it's Bryson Estes. I think Bryson Estes and Julian Armel, those are my two. I know Julian Armel is going to be the I think, player that you would probably pick because he's, he's the five-star. He's the big toy. He's the person that you also saw him gameplay last year. He's like, oh, he definitely earned that rating. He, You can tell he's a very hard worker. But I think Bryson Estes has the first one up because one, he's got one more year on Julian Armella being the, from the class app before him. But also, we saw Bryson Estes like predominantly on the two deep last year at several spots. He can snap. He can play guard. He's a really mean kid. That's the reason why we call him Honey Bun Bryson. Like that kid to me is basically he's going to be a solid, solid player. Has great technique, and that's someone that I see probably starting along the offensive line for next season. I mean, I'm talking for 2024. But I wouldn't be surprised if that if if there is like an injury actually on the offensive line. God forbid. That he'd be one of the first men out to probably take that over because he was actually that this close starting several times last season. 
Yeah, let me not be a Debbie Downer here, but I'll go ahead and spoil it for you. There's going to be an injury on the offensive line. That it it just happens. People are falling around your legs all the time. People get injured. Um, yeah, yeah, the defense. Yeah, it's 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 uh it's well, it's not going to happen. But it's a uh, given the nature position. It do, it does happen more often than not than you want it to happen. And and like this is why it doesn't make sense to me or matter to like do an offensive line depth chart prediction or whatever because like what you see game one could change by game two because either injury or you know you just see things out there you don't like and you have to make corrections so uh, there's just so much rotation among the offensive line uh but yeah i mean i will say this i, I was surprised to look up bryson Estes um pff grades from last year because he actually played over 100 snaps and graded 67 in run blocking and 69.6 in pass blocking nice and, those are actually some pretty good grades um, for a guy that played in seven games and over 100 snaps. So that's not that bad of a sample size. In the year prior, he only played 10 snaps, but, you know, same pass blocking grade two years in a row on limited snaps. So that actually is a really exciting prospect to think about um, at the guard spot for Florida State. But, you know, I don't know. There's, there's always something to me about a tackle, man. Just just having the bookends and knowing your quarterback's going to be protected. Uh, Julian Armella, yeah, I, I, he's a legacy. It makes so much sense. Like, it has to work. It has to. The, the Julian Armella story has to come to fruition. It was, de- it was destined to be. And Julian Armella is 6'6", 315. He's got the size you want. It, you know, he only played 55 snaps last year. You know, uh, PFF wasn't the kindest to julian armella gave him a 54.8 run blocking and 41.4 in pass blocking he's a so, freshman he's a true freshman right like, I, exactly. I, I, do not, I do i do not give up about pff grades for true freshmen especially along the offensive line like I, he, he didn't play that damn bad either i'm just gonna say that yeah i'm i'm, I'm just reading hey don't shoot the messenger i'm telling you what pff said those brilliant guys over there at pff but no i mean i if the question, I think the question becomes, is it worrisome if you see a lot of a guy like Julian Armella or Bryson Estes? Does that does that mean something's gone wrong or a bad injury's happened, or does that mean that those guys have just overtaken somebody on the depth chart at the beginning of the year? Which which of the two do you think it is? I think it's the I think it's the latter. Um, with Bryson Estes, this is this is year three, so like that's something that you should be basically like, hey. Either taking some over someone's spot, or you should be in a quality spot where quality wise, you just you I mean you just read off his grades, even though I just you know basically pooped on PFF for like ten for five seconds. That like he actually is a quality replacement player, and that's someone that if he's in there, it's like oh, someone's hurt, or maybe someone just you know we're fine with that, and that, that's good. And then with Junior Armella, that little more might be a little bit different because he is so young, he, he is still a sophomore. But I fully do expect that we see basically how Bryce Nessie's had a hundred snaps. I definitely do see Julian Armella in garbage time having those 100 to 150 snaps to basically acclimate better to the game because that's what they want to do with a lot of these kids. They want to get these kids in-game reps in the season at some point, and that's why it's so important to win these games like the way we did last year with these, you know, basically 45 to 3 with these 45 to 14, 45 to 7 kind of games because you want, you need to get the young guys some reps. You talked about it all the time, like how important in the blowouts it was to play the players out, keep them fresh, and have yeah. players like, and give the players younger give them some reps to basically um, be prepared for next year and also be acclimated in game action. Yeah, that's right. Um, I just, 
if we don't see a lot of those early underclassmen reps um, in the season, then it's probably not going the way we want it to, because I, I think we're all predicting like this machine on offense that's going to, you know, have garbage time in the third quarter, like the 2013 team. Um, hopefully that's the case. And I can tell you this, if that is the case, it's because the offensive line is not limiting the offense. So the offensive line play is going to be critical. Like, don't mistake any of this conversation eh, for thinking like, you know, we don't think it's important that the offensive line be, you know, above average or better. This offensive line has for us to be a playoff team. Really, it has to be a great offensive line, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, not even great. It has to be good. Last year, the offensive line was decent. Now you got to go from good. Now you, yeah. you got to go to good and solid. You don't need to be a great offensive line because of the talent you actually have in the backfield. Also, remember for offensive line, you just need to give him enough time. Enough time means that you're a good offensive line. You give someone a lot of time, that means you're a great offensive line. Yeah, and that may be the difference between like a conference championship team and a playoff team. I mean, I guess we'll find out. But, you know, this line has at, at, at times throughout the last couple seasons shown that they can be good. So there's no reason that they can't be good throughout the season this coming year, especially you're talking an offensive line that's going to have upperclassmen at every single spot. You're uh, Most of the guys who've played, you know, at one or more years already at Florida State. So you're going to have cohesion. You're going to have veteran leadership, not only along the starting five, but you're going to have veteran leadership on the two deep, supplemented by, you know, exciting young guys like Julian Armella and uh, Robert Estes, like you said. So it really Bryce does. Nessies. Or on, Bryce Estes, yeah. Come on, man. Come on, man. Robert Scott. I know you're confused with Robert Scott. We love Robert Scott, too, though. So you're right, you're right. It, it feels like the right mix of players, like young and old, uh, or talented young and veteran, uh, veteran uh, old, older guys uh, with a lot of experience. So I think... I think you I think you're going to end up seeing the year starting out with an offensive lineman or an offensive line that's that's chock full of experience. There's no chance, I think, that you see the season start with a Bryce, Bryce and Estes or uh, Julian Armella starting. I just I really don't see that. I think you go safe to start the year, you know, let it play out with your transfers out there that already have all this game experience, probably over the younger guys. So. Yeah, I think I think that's probably what you see to start the year. I think by the end of the year, it could look very different. And if you are saying, I think you're right. If you do see one of those, you know, some of those younger guys starting by the end of the year, it's because we couldn't keep them off the field, which is best case scenario. And folks, best case scenario is that we are here each and every single day to join with y'all because we love y'all so much. And Dave, as always, please send us home. Yes, thank you for being here and listening to us every day. We always appreciate it. We love you. And thanks for your support for our podcast. Find us anywhere you find your podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, Google Play, and other places, the names of which I do not know. For the YouTube, give the video a like if you could, please. It takes two seconds. We greatly appreciate that as well. Subscribe to the channel. Ding the little bell. Turn your notifications on. You'll find out when our episodes drop. That's awesome for your lives and for ours. And as always, leave us a comment, please. You know, give us give us your starting five and your surprise candidate of the year along the offensive line. I would love to see that this time. And we'd love to see you next time on Lockdown Seminoles. For Dave, this is Drake. We'll see y'all next time. Take care, everybody. Don't hold.